Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Andrew Ivins with another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. You're probably used to hearing the voice of Blair Angulo, but with Blair out this week, my bosses have me pinch hitting for him. First, before we get started, I just want to thank everyone who has subscribed to the podcast. If you guys haven't left a review, please do. That goes a long way for Blair and the rest of the team here at 24-7 Sports. On this episode of the podcast, we are going to be joined by 24-7 Sports Midwest analyst Alan True. He's going to break down a huge commitment for Nebraska, talk a little Notre Dame recruiting, share why he thinks Luke Fickle is doing such a good job recruiting for Cincinnati, and also detail what it's like to cover a high school football game during a global pandemic. But before we get to all that, let's begin with the kickoff. The college football season is just a few weeks away for some schools, and that means some of your favorite recruits are no longer recruits. That's right, guys like five-star running back DeBarcus Bowman, five-star quarterback Bryce Young, and five-star tight end Eric Gilbert have been busy going through drills and scrimmaging the past couple of weeks. The team at 24-7 Sports thought, why not check up on some of these blue-chip recruits and actually find out who might see the field in 2020? as every year it seems like at least one true freshman takes college football by storm. So if you haven't already gone to 247sports.com and checked out the five-star report that Chris Hummer put together, please do, as it sounds like a number of former five-star recruits are in line to play this season. Joined now by my man, Alan True. Alan, you cover uh, the Midwest for 24-7 Sports. used to have one of the best podcast names, I think, in the industry. Uh, the notorious B.I.G. Uh, Alan, how you doing, man? Doing well, Andrew. Uh, happy to be on with you and happy that we've got a little bit of football going on here uh, in the Midwest. Normally, we'd have a bunch of football going on, but beggars can't be choosers these days. No, they cannot. I, it's the same thing for me down here in South Florida. Like two schools are practicing. Uh, so you get like a small dose of it that you kind of inject into your veins and you're just kind of hoping uh, for more. Yeah, same up here. Well, I went to a game last week, which we'll we'll talk about. But it was uh, it was a little bit odd because I hadn't been out to an event in a while. But also uh, felt really really good to see some live pads and some live football. Well, yeah, we'll obviously get into that because uh, not a lot of people are playing football. But before we do, I want to tackle I think what is probably the, one of the bigger recruiting stories of the week, and that is Nebraska landing a commitment. Uh, from top 24-7 tight end Thomas Fedoni. Fedoni uh, picked the Cornhuskers over a number of schools. Just kind of give me how big of a win this is for Nebraska. Yeah, I think uh, it is a good win. I think on a, on a national level, um, people outside of this region probably look at it and say, a tight end from the state of Iowa, leaving Iowa, who has regularly put tight ends in the NFL, 
That's kind of odd. You know, he's also looking at LSU as the national champs. That might be a little bit odd. So what is it about Nebraska? Well, that part of Iowa is a little bit further west um, towards Nebraska. And he grew up watching Nebraska. He's got Cornhusker fans in his family. So that had a lot to do with it. But it wasn't like, hey, I grew up as a Nebraska fan. I'm just going to pick them. He, he went through the process. And Nebraska was able to supplement that fandom with uh, a relationship with him, with a really, really good chance at playing time. I mean, I think they're going to take uh, a couple tight ends in this class. They, they don't have a ton on the roster. And, and definitely by the time he gets on campus and, and gets into his first or second year, this is a guy that I think could make an early impact in his career. So big pickup for them for a number of reasons. Obviously, he's the number one tight end in the country, but this is also a pretty big position of need for the Huskers. Alan, you bring it up, and I, I was interested, so I, I kind of researched it. When was the last time Nebraska really got an elite tight end? And I think Thomas will be their highest-ranked one since, like, at least 2000. Um, and I think that's just kind of impressive given, you know, how the first two years of Scott Frost's tenure has gone in Lincoln. Uh, sticking with Thomas as the player, you mentioned he's our number one-ranked tight end. Uh, he's an All-American, going to play – in the All-American Bowl. You've compared him to Zach Ertz, and I just want – give me your scouting report, I guess, real quickly uh, on Thomas for us. Yeah, so the Midwest has – since uh, this is our 10-year anniversary of 24-7 sports, and during that time, the Midwest has never had the number one tight end. He's going to be the first. Uh, and when you look at the guys directly behind him in, in the rankings, they're from California, Georgia, and Florida, which are, are a little bit more known as football hotbeds. So he has had to earn this ranking. And I think that our team feels really comfortable with it based on the fact that he's a new age type of tight end. You watch his high school film and he's split out like a wide receiver playing slot. He, he can run routes like a wide receiver and create those mismatches. And then what I think made us feel extra comfortable with it was what he did on the basketball court. He's a, an above the rim guy. He's a, a really good athlete there has added a lot of um, weight in the offseason, which I think is something he needed. He, he did look a little bit more like a big receiver out there. Now is filled in into a tight end-looking guy who um, has kept that athleticism, which we've been able to see a little bit this offseason because he's continued to train, continued to work with his seven-on-seven team and, and the people at Warren Academy, which is where uh, he works out and trains. So I think all of those factors made us feel like he's, he can be a multiple guy who can line up uh, in, a, in a number of places for an offense, which is what I think Nebraska will do with it. Yeah, and it just seems with the way college football and the NFL is going, you need tight ends that are dynamic after the catch. And when you watch his film, I mean, he, he's running away from guys, so that's very encouraging to see. I guess, who, who do you think finished number two here? Who was the biggest competition for Nebraska? <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm inclined to say Iowa, but it was really close between Iowa, LSU, and even Michigan made a really, really strong push late. Uh, Iowa was recruited from uh, recruited him for a long time. Um, they have uh, a teammate of his that's on the roster. They obviously have the tight end history to sell. And so I think Iowa was probably number two, although LSU and, and Michigan had really made really good efforts as well. Nebraska also recently picked up a commitment from Kobe Bretts, a three-star safety out of the Omaha area. Uh, more importantly, you know, Nebraska is now on the verge, or, or I should say they have a, a, a close to a top 25 class, according to the 24-7 Sports composite team rankings. Alan, you're a guy who covers the Midwest, more of that region. Um, just your assessment of what 
Scott Frost and his staff are, have been able to do here. Now, I know Nebraska, I'm down here in South Florida. They're very active in this area, and uh, they were able to pull a number of guys um, from, from Miami-Dade County and Broward County last, last cycle. Uh, just what do you think uh, of what Frost has been able to do, and is he making a statement by, by getting Thomas? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the first year, 2018, um, and even really going back to that previous cycle, he had such a short amount of time to work with. Now you're really seeing them get their footing underneath them. And that really showed up, I thought, in last year's class, that 2020 class, which was uh, number 20 in the country, number four in the Big Ten. I think that was first in the Big Ten West. And, and like you said, it wasn't just a class full of guys in their normal footprint. There were guys from Florida. Um, there were guys from uh, uh, Connecticut. There were guys from down, they had a quarterback from down in Alabama. They went out to California. And you knew that they were going to be able to do that at some point, just based on Scott Frost himself, his ties to having been at Oregon, having been at UCF, even though he's a, a homegrown Husker. He's been around and recruited a lot of different places and has a staff of guys who has done that. So you're now seeing that in the 2020 class and moving in to the 2021 class and beyond. Um, I think they've shown that they can recruit right there at home with a guy like Kobe Bretts in Omaha, but they can go out and win some battles also. And Thomas Fedoni is a huge feather in their cap. Like I said, they had some advantages there with him growing up in Nebraska, but that wasn't one where it was just going to be a layup either. They had, they had to finish that one out and they closed it. Uh, Alan, you teased you were at a high school game uh, last week. I guess tell us where you were and just what was it like? I mean, we are in an era of sports like no other. I was at a practice a few days ago. Uh, everyone is socially distanced. You know, everyone's wearing masks. I had to get my temperature t- checked, how to do uh, hand sanitizer, all that. I mean, what was it like just going to a high school football game, which is normally a large gathering of people uh, in 2020? Yeah. So first, you know, during the week, I'm excited. I get, I get to go to a football game. Also a little bit nervous uh, for the first time in a long time about covering a game because I don't know what it's going to be like. Am I going to, you know, possibly get sick and bring it back to my family or anything like that? And then towards the end of the week, not even being sure if I was going to be allowed into the game. They were being very careful about who they allowed, especially people who, like myself who were crossing state lines going from Michigan into northern Indiana for this game. Um, and, and it was a crosstown game. Merrillville, who's ranked number two against Merrillville Andrane, who's ranked number four. So it's going to be a big game with a lot of people there, especially with it being opening night. But was able to get things squared away. Um, they said, come in this other gate. You get to be, you know, it'll open up and you'll be in the back of the end zone and just stay in the back of that end zone. Don't roam the sidelines. Don't go into the stands. Don't whatever. Can't do interviews after the game. Um, And so I abided by that. So it was actually a great process. I parked right by the gate, walked through, only talked to the lady at the gate um, and got to watch and shoot the game and, you know, get back and and kind of talk to the players um, via Twitter and text afterwards. So Good to see a football game, and I thought that they handled it about as well as a high school could from from the start of the process to the end of the game. You got that VIP treatment. What what, what was the the stands like? Is everyone kind of like spread out? It actually kind of wasn't. People had to wear you had to wear masks till you got to your seat, and you had to sit with your family. There was no like let's not all sit together. But you know, as the game went along, people kind of I think got a little bit closer. Um, but they did control um, when you could go to concessions when you could go 
to the restroom. So there were a lot of those measures. Saw a lot of people masks on. The coaching staffs on both teams had masks on. So like I said, I, th- I thought that Merrillville High School, and they have a big stadium too, uh, I thought they handled it about as well as they could. In terms of the actual product on the field, I know one of the guys you were there to see is three-star athlete Jojo Johnson, who is committed to Cincinnati. What did you think of him? He was fantastic, and I, I had a little bit of an idea that he would be. You know, he was at a different school last year, uh, had a really good season there, had, was good at some camps, but only got a limited chance to see him in some of those. The one that I saw him at, he came late. So it was good to see him in a full game, had a, a super electric kick return for touchdown, had a touchdown catch. I had seen some scrimmage footage of him a couple of weeks ago where he had a really dynamic touchdown off of the screen. Uh, I, he was a guy that, you know, when I talked to Steve Weltfong, who's down in Indiana for us, our, our um, director of recruiting, we kept saying, like, this guy should be a power five offer guy throughout the process. And he was committed to a max school for me, he committed to Northern Illinois. Cincinnati flipped him. And then since then, Power Five schools have come in. Purdue's offered him. Washington State's offered him. I think Cincinnati's probably going to hang on to him based on the way they've been recruiting and Luke Fickle, you know, kind of turning down some other opportunities to stay there. And this is the kind of guy that has allowed them to be a top 25 team now, a guy that the Power Five schools want, a guy that traditionally wouldn't play at Cincinnati. They're going to hang on to him in recruiting. He's a dynamic player who it's going to contribute as a return man and a wide receiver for them, I think. Well, I already drilled you for your opinion uh, on Nebraska's recruiting, and this segues right into my next question because I'm honestly wondering this. Cincinnati right now, number two ranked class in the uh, American Athletic Conference behind Memphis. It's very close in, in terms of the scores, but uh, some big news did recently come out. Luke Fickle, who has put together back-to-back 11-win seasons at Cincinnati, he just got a big contract extension um, that essentially it's like a $3.4 million year, uh, million dollar deal, excuse me, makes him the second highest paid coach at the group of five level, uh, 40th best salary in all of college football. I think the biggest thing, and maybe you, you would disagree with me here, is his staff salary pool has increased a, a ton. It's like up to like $3.8 million. I, I'm kind of versed in Cincinnati's assistant coaches, but I, I, I'm going to defer to you here. I think they have to be a big reason why um, the Bearcats are, are finding guys like Jojo Johnson. Yeah, uh, th- that staff increase is huge because Luke Fickle's been a hot name on the coaching trail, but equally as hot is defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. He was a guy who's been talked about for a lot of different jobs. Uh, was talked about uh, being a package deal with with Luke, where you know the schools that approached Coach Fickle wanted to bring Marcus along with him. He's been talked about maybe as the next coach uh, at Cincinnati, but he's on a really good path. Uh, Gino Gaduli does a really good job uh, on the recruiting trail. He played at Cincinnati, but has had some other opportunities as well. Dan Enos has been uh, many different places, including being a Division One head coach. So yeah, he's got a great staff there that's doing a great job on the trail and, and hanging on to those guys, and particularly Marcus Freeman, I think is big in, in keeping this recruiting class together because there's a lot of players here that I think other schools would love to poach. Now you can't mention the name Dan Enos down here in the uh, in the 305. You get a, a ton, a ton of blowback. Uh, I, I honestly forgot he was on staff there. Uh, it's so a little it's different up here. It's a little different up here. He's he's remembered uh, a little more fondly at Michigan State and and, uh, and some of his stops up this way. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Continuing with with high school games, I don't know if you're going to be anywhere this weekend, but I want to tell all the listeners uh, that they will have an opportunity to actually watch live contact football games uh, throughout the weekend as ESPN is doing its annual Geico High School Football Kickoff Series. Uh, there's a seven game slate, begins Friday, runs through Sunday. Um, not as loaded as years past, and that's really because of the pandemic. You know, the state of Florida, Georgia, California, Texas, uh, some of them have canceled or postponed seasons altogether. Others have delayed them for a few weeks. So it's a really odd uh, slate of games. And you told me you want to talk about this game. So I'm going to just give you the floor. Uh, On Saturday night at 9 p.m. on ESPN2, there's going to be two teams from North Dakota playing. Uh, what do we need to know if I'm on my couch and I happen to flip over to that? Well, first, it's great that they're spotlighting football up in North Dakota because these are they play really good football up there and they don't always get the national spotlight. So uh, it's Bismarck Century uh, is going to be playing against Legacy and Century uh, has a pretty famous grad named Carson Wentz that you guys may have heard of. Um, they've never heard of them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. They don't get the national coverage. So then uh, they, they've got, you know, they've won, I think, three of the last five state championships. They were 14 and 0 last year. And they've got an offensive lineman, Andrew Leingang, who just committed to Kansas State, who was a really good win. And uh, Kansas State's coaching staff, obviously led by Chris Kleiman, uh, it comes from North Dakota State. They coached Carson Wentz, but they still had to go in there and beat out Minnesota, who I thought might have been the favorite there. For Andrew, he also had an offer from Stanford, which they don't come to North Dakota a ton. So it tells you a lot about him. So very excited uh, to get a chance to see him go at it live. Uh, more, I think, familiar schools for some people out there. St. Xavier out of the Cincinnati area. They're traveling to Indiana to, play, uh, to face Brownsburg. That game can be seen Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. I bring this one up not only because it's in your region, but I, I, I legit do not know much about Penn State athlete commit uh, Liam Clifford. All I know is he's the brother of Sean Clifford. Is he going to be a wide receiver or is he, I, I guess we have him as an athlete. Where does he project at the next level? Yeah, early on thought he might be a quarterback like his brother, but I think he's shown uh, really good athleticism, has, has gone out to some camps and events and timed well and uh, shown good ball skills. I think the athlete tag is because those same traits could play really well on the other side of the ball. He's a safety possibly or a rover, but more than likely, I think he'll be a wide receiver. 
but like I said, there's there's some possibility for him to play on the other side of the ball. But he's a guy who makes a lot of plays um, because of his ball skills and his speed. So Liam is the name to know at, at St. Xavier, which I, I feel like every year they're they're honestly featured uh, at some point uh, on one of the ESPN channels. And then the other school, Brownsburg, Indiana, uh, I actually covered a game there uh, years ago when I think Hunter Johnson was there. Um, but they do have some some power five prospects, uh, notably wide receiver Preston Terrell. He's committed to Purdue. And then they got a Kansas quarterback commit in Ben Easters. Anything we should know or, or watch for with those guys? Yeah, so Ben has uh, – he's, he's inherited the mantle from Hunter Johnson. He's their next uh, big recruit there at, at the quarterback position. I think he's uh, maybe a little bit undervalued nationally. Didn't get a, a ton of big offers, but chose Kansas after they offered him. So looking forward to seeing him go against really good defense. And then Josh Sales from Indiana, he has him as an 89. So he's right there on the cusp of potentially getting into four-star range. If we can see a little bit more of him this season, he transferred schools last year to Brownsburg. So that was our first big exposure to him uh, and, and looking forward to seeing him after what I know was an off season where he really worked on a lot of things. And then one more game in your region that's on this Geico ESPN slate uh, Allen is Pickerington North versus Pickerington Central. Uh, that's going to be Sunday at noon Eastern time on ESPN2. This game would be awesome uh, if Jack Sawyer, the five-star defensive line commit uh, that's committed to Ohio State, if he had not opted out. But he's not going to play this season. Um, so the name, I guess, to know in this game would be Notre Dame top 247 wide receiver commit Lorenzo Styles. Am I correct there? Yeah, big play guy who, um, you know, track background, uh, actually an Ohio State legacy, and uh, some other schools have still tried to flip him from Notre Dame. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, him. I'm expecting a lot of big plays out of him. And then Garner Wallace that's committed to Northwestern, he's one that we slid up a little bit in the rankings and still talked about as it, it was that high enough. So I think we're looking forward to seeing him this season, one that we definitely have our eyes on. And then they have a defensive tackle, C.J. Doggett, who's a West Virginia legacy that's got a good handful of power five offers in the 2022 class right now. Final game I'm going to mention just because I feel obligated to uh, Trinity Christian out of Texas is playing Knoxville Catholic on Saturday at noon Eastern time on ESPN. The only reason I bring that up is because Shadur Sanders, who is the son of Dion Sanders, uh, he is the quarterback for Trinity Christian. Dion actually call, uh, calls plays. He's the offensive coordinator for Trinity Christian. I just want to bring that up because uh, Shadur Sanders is committed to Florida Atlantic. That's where I went to school. So I uh, need to do my, uh, uh, my alma mater good by promoting them in, in some way. And then on the other side of the ball, Knoxville Catholic, they're led by Caden uh, Martin. He's a class of 2022 quarterback, and he happens to be the son of T. Martin. So it seems like out of all the games on ESPN slate, um, that will be the two top quarterbacks uh, on display. Uh, Alan, we, we just talked about Lorenzo Styles uh, in Notre Dame. The Irish also landed a commitment from a class of 2022 prospect recently. Uh, who was it and what do we need to know uh, with, with him? Yeah, Nolan Ziegler from Grand Rapids Catholic Central. So right here in my backyard, uh, helped his team win a state title a year ago, chooses Michigan or chooses Notre Dame over Michigan. Uh, Nebraska, Iowa, a couple of other schools. It's, uh, like a multi-legacy guy, maybe one of the first that I've covered that has family connections, family members that played 
at all of those schools, but his great grandfather played at Notre Dame, or his grandfather played at Notre Dame, won a national title there, and uh, really grew up more with Notre Dame. Played safety last year at 175 pounds. He's 200 pounds now, still you know running in the in the four six four seven range from what we've had a chance to see. Testing really well, moving around really well. So it could be a safety rover, could even grow into a full-time linebacker, but just a really, really good football player. And um, a guy that we're not going to get to see this fall because there's no football in Michigan. But the next time we see him, I'm expecting to see a much different player because he's grown so much physically through this offseason. Brian Kelly and his staff currently with the number four ranked recruiting class uh, for the 2022 cycle. Alan, while we're talking about 2022s, I wanted to ask you this. Up in your region, are you seeing uh, maybe more 2022s try to make commitments? Uh, I know we, as uh, we, the analysts, kind of tossed this idea out here a couple months ago that really a lot of class of 2022 recruits hadn't been committing to schools and making decisions. And that's in large part because they couldn't visit anywhere uh, since March with the uh, NCAA's temporary recruiting dead period. I was wondering, have you have you seen uh, a different trend? Do you think more guys up there are going to try to maybe lock in spots or um, or is our schools going to want to see these kids actually play games? Yeah, so I, I've been surprised that I have seen more of these 2022s start to commit Nolan Ziegler being one of them. And I think that's a situation, you know, just taking his situation and kind of expanding it to the others. He, you're talking about a kid who doesn't know when he's going to get to visit schools again, doesn't not definitely not going to get to get to games this year for unofficial visits, like in a normal year juniors would get to do. So if you know where you go, want to go and you've got the offers, um, you know, why wait? When is going to be the next time 2022s can get on a college campus? Could be January, could be February. There's no guarantee that it'll be next spring. So I think for the guys who who have an idea of where they want to go, like let's not overthink this and, and wait out the decision and, and let's just get committed um, and get that out of the way. So I think there's some other guys that are in the same boat as Nolan Ziegler. And then there's guys who aren't ready. In that case, those guys are probably going to wait it out. Um, and, and in the states where they're playing football, those guys would have the opportunity to earn uh, more offers. Um, let's go to, I think, my favorite. I don't even know if this is like a segment or just portion of uh, this podcast. And, and this is something that I think Blair came up with. But he always will not let guests leave the show without either making a crystal ball pick or revealing the details behind a recent crystal ball pick. And I know... You just made one for uh, an NFL legacy to end up at Michigan State. So who is it? Why did you put it in? Uh, and what can we expect? Yeah, Antonio Gates Jr. is one of those 2022 guys that we just talked about of where I think in a normal year, maybe he doesn't set a decision date for October 10th, but he is now. Um, and, and I think that favors Michigan State. They're the school that Kind of like Nolan Ziegler, he maybe has the most familiarity with. Grew up watching them. Has uh, you know, the distance has allowed him to be up there more than some of the other schools. Even though he's gone on a bus tour and has he has visited some other programs, I think Michigan State where he's most comfortable and most familiar. So I put that pick in. He said he grew up watching not only Michigan State football but Michigan State basketball. And what some people may not know who have followed his father, eight-time Pro Bowl tight end Antonio Gates for the Chargers, is that. 
out of high school, he committed to Michigan State and actually enrolled there for a year before transferring to Eastern Michigan and then becoming a, a basketball player at Kent State and then obviously returning to football. But he was originally a Michigan State commit out of high school, uh, not even a commit, a signee. So there's some history there as well. So uh, as of now, I think uh, if the decision date holds for October 10th, I think Gates Jr. is going to commit to the Spartans on that day. And and who else is uh, involved in that recruitment trying to uh, maybe steal one? Kentucky was the first school to offer him, actually, and they've done really well up in Michigan. They've, they've signed a lot of kids out of that state the last couple of years. Ole Miss offered him on the aforementioned bus tour. They're recruiting him, and then we talked about Nebraska earlier. They've offered him a scholarship as well. Okay. And then I saw, you know, the great thing I think about 24-7 sports is most of these high-profile prospects if you if you google their name or, or or find a kid's profile there's normally a scouting report from one of the analysts and there's always a player comp if there is a scouting report and alan you have comped antonio gates jr to a quan treadwell excuse me uh the wide receiver that was formerly at ole miss so i'm going to ask you is antonio gates is he a wide receiver or is he going to grow into a tight end like dad I think he's probably a wide receiver. I don't know if he'll get quite as tall as his father. Um, And I've comped him to Laquan Treadwell because Laquan was a big-bodied wide receiver who maybe didn't always just run past everybody but didn't need to because he was so big and physical that he won so many contested footballs. And I covered Laquan out of high school in Illinois. Um, And and he worked hard to the point where he got fast enough later on. But that wasn't what made him – highly recruited when he was a junior. It's the same with Antonio. He's he really worked on his speed this off season, but he's not a guy who has to create yards and yards of separation because he wins so many 50, 50 balls based on his timing uh, and his strength. And, and he does run really, really good routes. As you can imagine uh, with a guy with his football background, he knows a little bit about how to set up a defensive back. Absolutely. Well, Alan, I think we've hit or covered prospects or schools and like, eight different states. Uh, How big is your region, by the way? I think it's 10 states with some ambiguous states. Like we talked about North Dakota. I don't really know if I have that, but if I just (laughs) happen to see somebody over there, I I don't know if anybody really has that. So yeah, there's, I I would say like 10 and a half. No, you've just, you've claimed it. See, here's what I'm going to do. When we start getting football prospects out of the Bahamas, like I'm, I'm claiming that as, as my region, I'm just going to add it in. So that way I can uh, kind of work, work a vacation into it. Nothing against Bismarck, North Dakota, but that's a better <laughs> claim right there that you just got. <laughs> well, Alan, I appreciate you uh, taking the time and uh, hopefully uh, our listeners will be hearing uh, again from you soon. I guess tell them real quick, how can they find your work besides on 247sports.com? Yeah, obviously on 24-7 a lot, but otherwise on Twitter at Alan True, A-L-L-E-N-T-R-I-E-U. Those are really the, the two primary places. All right, we'll talk to you guys, or we'll see you later. Thanks, Andrew. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? (laughs) Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+.